Welcome to FitStory TV, the only platform that is focused on storytelling for fitness experts. Our mission with this podcast is to empower you to harness your vulnerability and lead with your story. If this is your first time listening, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. Wet my gullet, I always say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said that actually, do you know what? On the start of episode uh, 24, is it Rich Wellington's 24? Yeah. Yeah. At the start of his episode, I left a bit in, which was like the pre, pre-welcoming pre part of the, <laughs> the podcast. And all you can hear is me swallow water and then I go... <laughs> <laughs> I had to wet my gullet, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, um, one of, in my, my coaching course, I have a, a module, one of the lessons in the module, there's a point where, like, I'm, like, talking into the mic, and then I lean back and I, like, burp. <laughs> and then, like, I, I thought, and I didn't pick it up in editing. Oh. <laughs> I like, bro. I heard you burp at 23 minute mark. <laughs> that is so good. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Right. I need to make sure that this mic is on. Does my sound yeah. quality sound okay? You're all good. All right. Cool. Hopefully, because I like sounding smooth, like I'm like I'm on a radio. You know. <laughs> mm. Oh, that. Use that Bruce Buffer voice. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Anyway, yo, what is up, Fitstory TV? I am here with my co-host, Perry Power, the man of the hour. How are you doing, buddy? Bro, I'm doing very well, man. I'm so pumped and excited for this episode with our main man. Me too, dude. Me too. And uh, what's up today? Mike, and I don't want to get the name wrong, Salviti? (laughs) It's uh, Italian, so it's Salvieri. Salvietti. 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 You gotta say it every time, bro. Every time you gotta say it in the accent. Fuck, man. Pretty sure it means napkin or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Napkin. I was gonna say, ah, oh, shit. I should have uh, asked him that before pressing live. <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> maybe you could edit that bit out. <laughs> uh, Salvietti. I like that, man. Um, so, dude, you you are, I guess, known for a few things. Like, I've been following you for a little while because we connected through AJ Merzard. Um, what an awesome dude. I'm sure you've yeah. got some cool things to say about AJ. Yeah, and, and shout out to him right now. He's going through a really tough time. Yes. I spoke to him a couple mm-hmm. of days ago on the phone. He just uh, literally tore his quad right off the bone while uh, in Carnival uh, in Brazil for the Carnival Festival. Mm. And I was supposed to be on that trip with him, and two other people on his trip got robbed and mugged and beat up. Yeah. And I feel... I feel like, you know, instinctually I wanted to, I feel like I should have been there to like stop or protect or help. But uh, he's a very uh, good friend. He uh, lived two miles away from me for about a decade when we both had brick and mortar fitness businesses. Mm. And we've uh, gotten to see each other grow. So it's awesome. Yeah, he's such a, he's such an awesome dude. And uh, it is an extremely shitty situation that he's just been involved in. You know, we never hear anything good coming out of Brazil, really. <laughs> maybe, maybe. He gave us jujitsu, so. And, and Latino. Yeah. <laughs> Classic surgery. <laughs> yeah, that, that, 
<laughs> other than that, you're just going to get mugged, beat up. <laughs> That's it. Um, so, dude, tell us a little bit about what you do. What we'll do, though, is we'll keep it like brief in terms of like what you do with um, gym client conversion. And we'll, we'll kind of keep the, that kind of intro bit short because then we'll dive into it in the story. So kind of just briefly for the, for the listeners, um, how did you, like, what do you do and who do you help and how do you, how do you serve the world? Got it. So I'm a former boot camp slash gym owner for about eight years. And for the past four years, I've been helping gyms increase their, their conversions in terms of like their entire pipeline of their sales system while also building, crafting a message that helps them build trust and stand out in a noisy marketplace. I think that's really, mm. really important. That's, oh, pff, wow, Jesus, not really, like the most important thing, yeah. right? Shit. I think that was a commonality that kind of even had us kind of attracted to each other is the fact that you guys have such a huge emphasis on that yourselves. Yeah, I remember, right? yeah we actually spoke about a month and a half ago when FitStory was experiencing some difficulty with someone taking our content and <laughs> you remember that so that that was the one right we actually had a conversation and uh i remember we connected back then i remember i remember all of that yeah so it's been probably about three guys well, i was connected with you even before then but well over three four months i think we've been in a network and definitely i think this idea behind the message is just it's getting more and more and more important now because there's so many fit pros there's so many people in the market now so it's just and it's so much noise and you just need to know how to just cut through the noise you just get lost yeah. you just get lost you know yeah. so dude obviously you didn't wake up yesterday with those things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually now you say it um, <laughs> nah um but how did it all come to be so like if we could if we could skip back, and, and I've said this before on a podcast, my favorite part of the podcast when I'm speaking to guests is learning about their backstory. And I think the reason is with the idea of this backstory, it's like everyone has one. Everyone grew up. Everyone had a, an upbringing, you know, everyone that can relate to those things. So before all of this kind of came to be and you're doing what you're doing today, what was life like way back when? Mm -hmm. um, when what year were you born? I was born in 89. Eight, nine, thirty. Oh, we're the same age. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the, the the start of those thirty years, bro. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny about this particular interview is uh, all three of us. I think we graduated from the same school a couple years apart. The school of hard knocks. And, uh, <laughs> I joke a lot of times with entrepreneurs that have had rough stories that you can look at you can look at each other and you can see like you know, oh, he's got the darkness too. Like that weird, <laughs> that weird deep drive that's like attached to some kind of trauma, right? Oh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was born 1989. I was born to uh, two alcoholics that met in AA. So very grateful. Oh, really? They had already been sober for quite some time prior to me being born. Mm. But, uh, you know, they divorced, I think when I was like two years old, I was born in New York. And then I was raised by my mom in California and you know from age two to I'd say 18 or 19 you know she basically just ran the gambit of dating people in AA because it's not very easy to 
raise kids alone and it's also mm. um hard to date when you're an alcoholic and socialize mm. with people that aren't right mm. so i have had you know i'm on stepdad number four i've had a lot of male role models aside from my own father i've had a lot of father figures stepfathers coaches things like that that kind of made me the man i am today you know yeah. uh, I think um, uh, we on the lot, we spoke to uh, Stuart Armstrong. He's the CEO of a, a, a fitness federation called Pure Elite. But we spoke to him on an episode recently, and we were talking about this idea of uh, parenting, <clears throat> and um, kind of like we've all, like you said, we've connected and we've connected through our stories and like our backstories. We, you know, we've had not like super easy upbringings, right? And Parents is, is one of the subjects that came up on this podcast episode and it'd be cool to get your thoughts on it real quick. So I was explaining that I think parenting is not looked at in the same way as personal development or business. But if it were, would we have better parents? Because if I look back at my upbringing, my mum brought us up. She did her best. She had a lot of stuff going on in her story. So there's, you know, there's that to factor in. But my mum had a lot of that stuff happening. She just brought us up how she was brought up. You know, she, it was intuitive. Now here's the thing. You wouldn't grow your business intuitively. You wouldn't try and get a, a six pack intuitively, right? You have to develop, you have to learn skills. You have to educate yourself in order to be able to do those things. And it made me think even a few months ago, I actually said to Perry, I was like, dude, I want to get some parental books about how to be a, a, a entrepreneur parent how to deal with you know bringing my kid up in a better way because i know that there's improvements to be made in that area just like there is with my business so if i want to get my business to 100k per month i know that i need to do some development in that area do you see what i'm saying so there's a link yet a lot of people they just bring up their kids intuitively and it's like just they're repeating a process it's just been shown to them without thinking you know what, if I want that promotion, maybe I should look at parenting the same way I look at the promotion. Like I have to do more stuff and become a different person and develop in that area if I want to get good. Yeah, I think the funny thing about parenting is that you, you're literally, I mean, I'm not a parent myself, but I mean, I have, I'm an uncle to three amazing kids. My sister is, doing, is an awesome parent. Um, we're all very grateful for that in our family. It really does take a village. But um, I think part of me becoming an adult is forgiving and completing any, any issues I had with my parents because you, you always come to a realization that they were doing the best they can with the tools they had at the time. Mm. And if you think back, you know, 100, 200, 300 years, a good parent was one that kept their kid alive past you know, the age of 14 and, and then wed them somehow or something. <laughs> so fucking true. So, you know, the standard is constantly rising and the obstacles are constantly rising. We're in an age now where it's like the, the technological uh, stimulus of children and the exposure they have to other humans is higher than it's ever been in a, in a mode that doesn't require any empathy because you're not talking to a real human you're talking to a screen and you feel less 
you know, inclined to be appropriate to somebody and just, you know, mm. you know, you can have a 13 year old daughter who's on the internet arguing with grown men over yeah. politics or religion or some opinion. And that could be traumatic for them to be verbally chastised by adults. So yeah. mm. I don't ever take uh, for granted how hard it is to be a parent. I hope to be a great parent myself, but I think that is a great, um, lens to look at parenting through is you're developing someone basically to be better than you. I think all parents inherently want their kids to be better off than they were. Yeah. But at the same time, there's the other side of the coin where there's a lot of people that, um, Perry feels the same way about Amara, his dog. (laughs) (laughs) I want Amara to grow up. Like, yeah. Like, uh, disposable or a, you know, human life is almost commoditized to the point where like, you know, it's not even a second thought for some people to abort a child. Um, people raise children like an accessory on social media. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's, there's, it's kind of interesting that there's, there's almost no more middle ground. There's the pendulum swing way over here or way over here in almost every facet of life, right? Including parenting, politics, religion, uh, you know, <laughs> Every sociological Dude, thing, it's like the middle left. Even the middle class uh, economically is divided into lower and upper now. So it's kind yeah. of an interesting time for that. A hundred percent, which is probably why it's more important for parents to start doing that as well. Like taking a bit more responsibility and ownership for the role, <laughs> you know? Because that, honestly, it's something that I have, I, I put my hands up to, you know, that's why I'm talking about it. I, I, I admit, it's like sometimes I wonder if I'm, if I'm, doing it right i wonder if like there's something else i could learn just like in business i can learn stuff about business and it helps me develop the business so that's the way that i see it now parenting and it's um i feel like that's why what you've said is why people need to start maybe looking at it a bit differently because yeah man i feel like without that you grow up and you repeat the story you you just Mm. you, you know yeah, and I think most of us as entrepreneurs, we're trying to break the the lineage that we're on, you know, because it's, it's just, it's up until us, it has been like a re- repetitive cycle of this person has been traumatized by this person and repeating with that person. It's the old story of like cutting the ed- ends off the ham. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that story where, you know, a guy's wife cuts the edges off of a ham every time she cooks it and he asks her why. And she says, that's because my mom does that. So they call her mom and she said, oh, I just do that because my mom does it. And Mm. then they call the grandma and Mm. finally the grandma says, I just did that because my oven was too small to fit the whole ham. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, we we really do just like repeat the cycle. And I think- Which sounds like something that that person would have gotten from like Google. (laughs) that's basically just summarize that whole conversation (laughs) it's just like done a full circle (laughs) yeah so bro tell us about uh um like this this post growing up um phase of your life like how did you get introduced to fitness if fitness was like part of your part of because we know speaking prior to this um, that fitness has definitely been part of your life. So tell, tell us how that was kind of like introduced, how you broke out of that kind of place you were in and, and moved on to the next level. Well, I'd say one of my biggest influencers in terms of my entrepreneurial drive and my health and fitness drive 
was a combination of my father who didn't do those things and then a stepfather who did. So uh, my father had a heart attack when he was 35 years old. Uh, he's alive now, thankfully, but it was literally due to a blockage in his arteries from like lifestyle. Mm. <laughs> smoke post uh, recovering alcoholic, smoking, eating horribly, you know, doing just manual labor and then going home and, you know, smoking and eating, right? Mm. Mm. And then stress of his own parent passing. So I knew like, I, I always had a fear like, oh, I don't want to, you know, be obese or have a heart attack. You know, yeah. and then at the I'm same seeing time, a lot of sorry, yeah. man. I was just going to say I'm seeing a lot of parallels between you and Perry Power right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like attracts like. It like is. It, it is, and it goes back to what you're saying earlier about breaking the cycle. You know, like um, I know for a fact that my dad's dad. I never, uh, I was never fortunate enough to meet him because he passed before I was born. But I know through stories that my dad used to speak of him, which is actually very rare. Um, I know that my dad had the same temperament that my granddad had, right? Mm -hmm. So my dad, he wasn't necessarily a violent man. He never hit me, well, smacks when I was growing up and stuff, but um, he was violent through tonality, right? And, um, and so was his dad. And if I wasn't aware and I wasn't the peri power that I am, I could have very much so adopted those same traits and that same parenting um, and maybe had a heart attack and, and passed away before the age of 50 as well. But, uh, you know, I broke that cycle and it's, it's very, um, I know that a lot, a lot of people out there are sort of trapped in, in within their own story and not fully aware to take themselves away from that story, see it from a bird's eye view and make changes where necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the other side of the coin too is yeah. like, we always, everybody's trying to either mimic their parents or complete their parents, um, do the opposite, right? And it's, and we always end up being kind of a weird mesh of the two. Mm. Like we can't yeah. do something we can't help but mimic and we don't even realize we're doing it. My mm. uh, younger brother always gets upset with me when I say, you're just like, you're just like mom right now. You sound exactly like her because he has yeah. a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know, I relate to that so hard, man. I really do. <laughs> That's the same thing in my family with my brother or my sister or anyone we're like you sound just like mum and immediately it's usually the biggest <laughs> insult isn't it yeah man <laughs> could have said anything but the interesting <laughs> parallel to my dad was my stepdad who was like this loitered out buff entrepreneur <laughs> so you know although unfortunately he was abusive uh to my mom but uh and you know he wasn't that way with me or my sister or my brother, but uh, you know, at age 12, the second I hit the age that was allowed to be brought to, uh, to the gym accompanied by an adult, you know, he brought me in my first day, we were doing leg press, bench press, squats, and like, I just wanted to like impress my stepdad. So I was like joining him at the gym with his, his older son, who was like my stepbrother. Mm. So like fitness was, instilled upon me very young. And then it was one of those things that, uh, you know, even when my mom divorced him, I kept up. It was almost like a security blanket. It's like the only thing I can control at this age is my physical body. Mm. Dude, that's powerful, man. Because uh, again, like I th fitness really does change everything. I think when, when someone really takes 
like puts puts their focus on it and applies that focus consistently on the things that you need to actually focus on to get to where it is you want to go within fitness, i.e. dropping some weight or building some muscle, like whatever it is, getting stronger. Those things require compounded discipline for a long period of time. And it builds emotional resilience, physical resilience. It builds all these things. And what's interesting is that a lot of, um, a lot of this is, is, completely relatable to how we are as entrepreneurs as well so a lot of the stuff that i did in fitness competing bodybuilding those things i've used them now i've literally used them in business i use them in my relationships i use things that the, the the tools of fitness gave me and i think that's one of the reasons why so, so many of us as entrepreneurs um can benefit from it you know, even if not an entrepreneur, like fucking everyone can. And it's just time that people really start to realize the power in that. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have any influence, mate. I would say, listening to your story, I'm like, my brother's probably the strongest person who, I, but I was out of a place of pure jealousy, to be honest. <laughs> I fucking, I remember just like hating the fact that I was really skinny and he had, he was older than me as well. And he had muscle and he used to pick on me a lot and he used to, um, string me up against the wall and he was physically abusive. So it was for me, I, I, I then was like the opposite way around. I didn't want to be like him because he was attacking me sometimes and, and putting me down, but I wanted what he had. Like I wanted to be strong and I wanted to be alpha and I wanted to be in, you know, in control and be able to do those things. So for myself, so fitness really gave me all of those fucking things, man. I really do have everything. To, I owe everything to it. Yeah. Another interesting parallel that you just brought up too is your connection of fitness to your entrepreneurial path and success and carrying that into it. It's funny because without fitness, I wouldn't even be an entrepreneur because the way I stumbled onto entrepreneurship was um, in high school, I was Googling hypertrophy or no, not hypertrophy, plyometric exercises to get faster for football. Uh, well, American football. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, I subscribed to some email list from a website called strengthcoach.com, mm. which at the time was a guy, Mike Boyle and Ryan Lee. And Ryan Lee moved into the entrepreneurial space of starting a fitness business. He's kind of like the OG fitness business guru, like mm. the first ever on the internet. Pioneer. Yeah. And what's funny is, he didn't take me off his email list. So I was on this fitness email list and all of a sudden I started getting like, you know, entrepreneurial stuff about starting a fitness business. And I'm like, wow. <clears throat> and that's how it actually happened. That was like, <laughs> high school. yeah, that's my funny. senior year of high school, my senior year of high school in economics class, we had a, a class project of starting a business and everyone had like, you know, Oh, I'm going to start a restaurant. I'm going to start this. And I went and I walked into class and I was like, uh, fitness website and they're like how is the fitness website gonna make money and I'm like I don't know I'm just gonna put tips and advice on there and then they're like but how will it make money I'm like I don't know I just know that there's dudes making money with it I don't know how they're making money but they're telling me that they're making money on it so it was, I got an F on that too ironically <laughs> <laughs> F for fitness though yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude that's crazy man that is fucking cray cray I want to hear more about this yeah 
just t- tell me more. I want to know more about this period of time that you like. It's so funny because, uh, you know, I was such an early adapter in high school, right? Um, and there were so many times where I was like, so broke. We were homeless at certain points. We were extremely broke. You know, fitness for me was putting all my book bags in my backpack and doing three sets of 30 push-ups, then putting it on my legs and doing leg lifts, knee tucks, and reading, you know, uh, Bruce Lee's book about Jeet Kune Do and like hearing all the things Bruce Lee did and being like, all right, well, that's what I got to do. And then it was, you know, buying the 100-pound weight set for your bedroom. And then it was, you know, riding your bike to the gym. And, um you know, I, I always knew that college wasn't in the cards for me because it was a financial thing that I just couldn't comprehend. Mm-hmm. So I barely did the bare minimum to pass in high school and just became a personal trainer right out of high school. Mm. Do you know, a lot of people choose that route, though, um, yeah. personal training. I did. I went that way. Yeah. I tell you, it was originally uh, f- the first year of college. I went into college. I wanted to do art. And I wanted to do art because I'm really fucking good at it. I'm not blowing my own trumpet. I'm not being egotistic. You look at my pictures. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. I am pretty good at it. And I wanted to do it. I was really passionate about it. And um, I was like, yeah, I'll fucking do that at college. And at the time, that's what I should have doubled down on. But unfortunately, because my grades in maths, English and science, the three that you need it really to be good at to get in any decent level of course in college were too low for me to even go into one of those higher um, level classes for art. So my lack of terrible results, sorry, my terrible results in areas that I were not my zone of genius that I really didn't care about were the reason why I couldn't do what my zone of genius was that I really cared about. And within the first like two weeks of being in this course, um, I had fucking got caught, right, by the, uh, by the camp, like the, the, the college campus manager. So I'm using American terminology. And um, uh, for spray painting my tag on a piece of MDF, that was supposed to be used to fix the toilets, right? So I got, so I got this, like, I used to carry spray paint around because I used to spray paint in the towns locally. And uh, I used to put my tag everywhere. And I remember doing this tag on this piece of MDF. And within like a week, I had been pulled into the headmaster's office, essentially like the head person in, at the college. And um, they were like, did you do it? I said, no. I was like, I, I didn't do it. They pulled out my sketchbook. And in my sketchbook, it is layered. <laughs> tag everywhere. In my I don't know how that got they, they kicked me out of college. They removed me. They didn't say, oh, this dude's fucking, you know, he's obviously passionate about it to go around damaging things. And, and he's, look, his sketchbook's great. And he's got a lot of talent. Like, let's just talk about why he shouldn't have done that. But really, like, zone in on this. And, you know, I don't know why they didn't take that route, why it was immediately punishment and why it was, you know, you're going to be removed from college. And, Essentially, that was the first year, but then I went back to do mechanics. Then I went back again, and it was fitness the third time. So fitness was like introduced to me through college, but it's just a weird experience, man, because if I'd been introduced to fitness earlier, like you were, um, and had taken it more seriously at a younger age, I probably would have funneled a lot of time and attention into that, you know? Or, or maybe if they... Um allowed you to zone, to zone in on that ge- on that area of genius you may not be here and you may be fucking maybe they did me a favor who knows yeah who That's knows beautiful thing about the universe i guess man You're an artist yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck man so um yeah dude so at this point then so you had like the vision would you say you had a vision at this point to own a gym 
No, you know what's funny is uh, that guy, Ryan Lee, I told you about, he was teaching like info marketing business, you know? So I thought like at the time, 2008, 2007, 2008, I had this bright idea of, you know what? You know what the internet needs? A bodyweight only fitness program. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll make this revolutionary bodyweight only fitness program because I haven't seen that on the internet yet. <laughs> and then I went to a fitness conference and I met Zach Evanesh and he was like a, you know, he had this like garage gym and he had like already done info products. And I'm like, I was like, oh, I can't do a bodyweight only fitness program now because he already did. Like that was the mindset like, oh, if anyone else has done it, like that's the scarcity mentality at that yeah. time. But at that conference, they were teaching like how to open like a garage gym or start a fitness boot camp. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll do that. So it's kind of funny, like, you know, I wanted to start an info business online because it's, you know, oh, make money while you sleep. Mm. And, you know, shortly after that, I read the four hour work week and proceeded oh, to work 60 hours a week Classic in book. a decade. <laughs> so I like yeah. to think, it's kind of funny, you know, I read the, I like the joke, I read the four hour work week and inspired me to become an entrepreneur and spent the next 10 years working 60 hours a week. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. So early days of doing that, early days of like venturing that path, can you remember any like real back against the wall moments? Because I, I, I'm thinking when you're first out, even entrepreneurship, when I first, first started out, there were some like real tough back against the wall days where even in the idea, in the, in the idea or creation mode, let alone the actual, the actual physical creation of what it was that I wanted to do. Even before that, there was a lot of back against the wall moments for me. So what are some of yours, if you did have any? Well, what's really, can I curse on this? Of course. Yeah. You. Yeah. What's really I was just about up. to drop an F-bomb right there. I was yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> what's really fucked up about my journey is that uh, there are too many of those to count, partially because... I was almost like trauma bonded to the, the having my back against the wall as my motivation. Mm. So, you know, starting out. So there were so many scenarios in my business where like I wasn't motivated for growth. And then I would um, probably subconsciously engineer situations where my back is against the wall yeah. to progress forward. A lot of people do it. Even, even yeah. now, right? Fuck. I mean, there's yeah. a guy... Um, do you know Zachary Babcock? No. No? So definitely a shameless plug here for my boy Zachary Babcock, uh, Underdog Empowerment Podcast. And um, so he always talks about this idea of being an underdog, how you've always got to have this mentality that's like back against the wall, man. Like, that's it, motherfucker. It's just you. It's just you and you're against the wall. You've got to make it, make it. Like, that's it. So it's interesting. A lot of people use it, like, even now as a, as a mentality. Do you still do it even now? Um, I, I, to a lesser degree, because I recognize that it's just not the, the smartest route all the time and that I'm not invincible anymore. It took some, it, you know, you do it enough times and succeed, you start to get feeling this feeling of invincibility. And then you have some major failures that traumatize you into not taking any risks only to circle back and realize, all right, there needs to be a happy medium. It's that pendulum swing mm. where it's like, certainly it's got to even out a little bit. Mm, but, like uh, you know, there were scenarios where, um, you know, I had to come up with where, you know, I was behind in rent for my gym 
and I had to come up with $70,000 in two weeks. And then, you know, a combination of, you know, flash sales and business loans, you know, <laughs> you know, bided my time. But, uh, you know, my biggest struggles were building an ego business. So it's funny because, you know, I probably had, I've probably made the most money you could possibly make subleasing for your business as a fitness boot camp. I was doing about 350000 a year out of a church gymnasium running boot camps. And our rent was, you know, 2000 a month because we, you know, it was just a church and there's, they had Sunday service and they had a gym, like a basketball court in the church gymnasium that had a stage. So it doubled as like a room for the kids to do their thing. And, um, and then I went from there into a 12,000 square foot gym facility mm -hmm. and the overhead, you know, we, we grew to about 500,000 gross, but my net income shrunk so drastically. And then, you know, it was like, it was like doing a, a balancing act on a wire. Like uh, the thing, the straw that broke the camel's back for me was I had two trainers quit working for me that were both about 25 hours a week simultaneously and having no backup plan. So I had to train all those sessions myself on top of trying to do fitness sales consultations, my own, I my Facebook ads, yeah. Yeah. my team. Sure. And, uh, it just broke me. And it was, and it was like months after I ended like a six year relationship and she was best friends with all those trainers, girlfriends. So they all kind of convinced their boyfriends to quit working for me. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. So it was kind of a funny uh, situation. And I guess this is the thing though, like experiencing those things. Uh, Cause one thing that I always like to do is think of the uh, bomb diffusal that from my story, I might be able to, you know, diffuse a bomb for someone else going down the same path. So if someone else is out there that's listening to this, maybe experiencing some of the similar things, what's the advice you got for them now versus the advice you took back then? I'd say the biggest thing is to just not take things personally, because even if they're intended to be personal, it's really not about you. Um, I think the biggest thing is I lost sight of gratitude. Even in the, uh, the, the relationship of customer service, I felt like I, wor I worked my butt off to get to this point. And so many clients and employees weren't grateful for all I had done. When in reality, you know, commerce is an even exchange. You dictate what that is, but if there's any exchange whatsoever, the reciprocity is, is, is break even. So if you feel like you're worth 150 a month and you sell, even if what you're selling is worth 700 a month, you know, the reciprocity is even cause you accepted 150. So, you know, I, in my head, I felt like, Oh, I'm doing so much. I'm going above and beyond for my employees. I'm going above and beyond for my clientele. And I just became like cynical mm. and jaded. And I felt like, man, F this. And I just like, you know, close up shop as quick as I could with the skin on my back. Mm. Mm. How did that feel to, to have worked at that, done that, and then to well, be essentially at wherever you were at after that moment, which I assume is building something all over again? The weird, the weird feeling was it was such a weird, it's, it was a confusing feeling because on one end, I felt this incredible weight lifted this weird sense of like freedom. But at the same time, I felt this immense 
uh, fear of the unknown. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I didn't plan that. I also didn't, you know, you know, I was in mastermind groups where I was like, you know, a huge, I was influencing people's other gyms with my feedback in mastermind groups and people, I kind of just fell into that because, you know, people who knew me as being good at marketing and sales and stuff, they were like, Hey man, I know you closed your gym down. Do you think you could help me with mine? You know, I was like, why would you want my help? I just closed the gym. Mm. Like, oh, you're still really good at this stuff. I'm like, okay. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And, yeah. and I guess just because, <laughs> look, just because a champion loses doesn't make him a fucking, not a champion, you know? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like so, if Ronaldo loses a soccer game, he's still good at soccer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Conor McGregor throws a, a, a wheelie, like, desk thing through a window of a bus you still so mate this is really cool what what's um so how does how does what you're doing right now today kind of um summarize all of that into into kind of like a, a how we can summarize everything you've been through up until kind of what you're doing right now how has that all kind of formed and and ended up with what you're doing today I think um, one aspect of it is just the fact that fitness is all I've known. Aside from a summer job as a plumber's apprentice in high school, I have not had any job or career path that wasn't connected to fitness. Whether it was working the front desk at a gym, being a personal trainer, hmm. owning a gym, owning a boot camp, and now helping, um, everything has been tied to fitness to this point to where um you know i get to see my clients help their clients and feel like i'm a part of that mm. right it's a huge sense of uh, pride in that because this is what before we hit live on here we told you a little bit of context on what fit story is about and um i think how i kind of angled that is the same way you're going you know it's just an immense feeling of pride and this is the thing when you've built something like that and you're proud of it you're proud of the results that it's getting for the people that you're helping um i think that you can be against the wall i think that you can hit failure head on i think that you can make mistakes i think you can do those things because you, you know that what you've built is something authentic and true to you and it's and I think that the pride outweighs that sometimes. So isn't it funny how we go through these feelings of like you said, fear and also like almost um, liberation and freedom to then pride. And it's just a journey, man, as human beings. I mean, dude, that's the one commonality, right? What you're saying just before we hit live, the one commonality amongst all of us, no matter what the story is, it's that we're fucking humans and we have a story. Yeah. You know? you know, it's probably one of the weirdest uh, legacies I'm proud of in my journey. It's kind of funny, but I mentioned those two trainers that quit working for me. Uh, obviously, that was devastating. But believe it or not, one of my one of the, the feelings I have the most pride of is my legacy in those two, because they both came to me as very young, early 20s um, guys that either didn't have a direction in life or you know were a personal trainer both both of these kids these young men um i mentored to become great coaches for my business they're both moved on to be entrepreneurial in their own sense and one of the things i take the most pride in 
is the fact that I turned them into readers. Uh, <laughs> both kids I interviewed asked, what was the last book you read? And they both said something from high school. And I stimulated this like developmental habit of reading books that are nonfiction that improve your life. Mm, and I see them on Instagram sharing the, the books they're reading. And I'm like, wow, I feel like that's, you know, I'm a part of that in a weird yeah, the way. Part to play. Yeah. That's cool though. And I think that if you could have given them anything, it would have, like, that's a great bit of fucking advice. I think that, um, you know, like read more, consume more, because again, like, um, there's a question we ask in our, in our enrollment for one our program. So we have a program on, within the brand where we help fitness coaches essentially build out and launch their fit story in four weeks or less. And part of that program is, um, based on what you've said, you know, it's kind of like this idea of, um, sorry, I completely, com completely lost my track of thought. <laughs> completely lost my track of thought. Let me just backtrack. <laughs> Go back a couple minutes. Rewind. Thank you. Yeah, we need to rewind that. So I think that part of what we're doing with the accelerator is this idea of helping fitness professionals lead with their story, build out their fit story in four weeks or less. It's kind of, ah, oh, it's done it again. How is this happening today? I've completely lost track of where I was going. That has never happened before on a podcast episode either. This is a first. This is a first time. Woo! Jesus. Where did that go? I usually have that effect on women. It's very hey. that, uh... <laughs> Wow, completely lost my train of thought entirely. Let's go back a minute. Let's go well, back. Well, I'll You're tell you what legacy. Legacy. Hmm. What you built had <laughs> the books, right? The books. That's because I was looking at Think and Grow Rich as sitting here right on my right hand side. I completely <laughs> forgot. I was thinking about the book. But the best advice that you could give is to, to read books, pick up the books and read the mm. books and study them because I feel there's so much information that's in these that they're essentially like entire, it's like your entire life. If you were to die tomorrow, you wrote a book, Mike. It would be everything in that book would be your life and your lessons and your learnings and your teachings. And that is hugely valuable. And to instill the habit of reading into someone is something you should be proud of because it, a lot of fucking people just don't do it. A lot of people will spend more time sitting and scouring Netflix or watching porn or whatever else other than reading books. And I feel like they're one of the, the, the it's probably the biggest piece of advice, best advice you could have given them to, to set that habit in for sure. But, that took some time to get there, didn't it? But, but like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Hart says, this, says it a lot. Um, he says about story and he says how when you die and you pass away, what impact do you want to leave when somebody finishes reading your book? You know, and, mm -hmm. um, and for sure, those two guys that left, they are, you know, they're going to know the type of impact that Mike Savietti had on them with, and in regards to books, like when I first joined an in-person gym, I read maybe one book a year. And then I had somebody take me under his wing, personal mentor, who still personal mentors me today. And currently with my podcast set up, I'm looking at an abundance of books now that I have that I read regularly. And that came from him, mm. you know? It's, it's, yeah. And I think like even that mere question of asking someone, when's the, what's the last book you read? 
like he puts them right on the spot, you know, and no, no one wants to turn around and be like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I can't actually, yeah, I can't actually fucking tell you, you know, what was the last Five book? Man you issue like, 300. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last book you read, bro? The last book I read, um, actually it was, uh, unscripted by MJ DeMarco. Mm. Okay. Life, Liberty and the Pursuit of Entrepreneurship. Oh, and, and, and I, right before that, I reread Psycho Cybernetics for like the fifth time. I need to read that. I haven't read that yet. Mm. What, what lesson did you take from the, the, that last book? Unscripted is a great book. I think it's, it should be one of those books up there with like four hour work week for like one of the first books you read it on an entrepreneurial journey mm. because it's, it's, about, um, it's about making that paradigm shift mm. of what uh, – and what's funny is he, he shits on like the one funnel away mentalities in his book about like, you know, the, 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 the uh, cause and effect in business where like stimulus equals output, but usually it's more of like the consistent continuous stimulus that creates the output, not like, oh, I made this one funnel and it made me a million dollars type of stuff. And also he, he challenges a lot of belief systems that people have prior to entrepreneurship. Um, one of my favorites is uh, an analogy about, you know, uh, scarcity in, in abundance of money, right? And he talks about if you saw an obese person on the street, you wouldn't be mad at him for eating so much because there's kids starving in China or, or Africa, right? It's not his fault that they don't have any food and he didn't eat their food there's enough actually for everybody, right? So you shouldn't get mad at somebody for making a lot of money as if it's, it's keeping you from making money. There's enough for everybody, right? Yeah. I'm going to have to read that book because uh, Paradigm Shifts and Whole Subconscious, I, I am fucking, I, I love yeah. it, man. Like that, that is the real stuff that's when you start to read that type of content that it really does, when you study it, I feel, I need to add. Cause it's not just about reading it. Like so many people do read books now, especially entrepreneurs. I have read two books a month, but how much do you actually like study the book? How much do you really get like connect with? How much do you really figure out for yourself? What, because there's a difference between reading a sentence, right? And then really studying it and mm. reading a paragraph and really studying it. So you understand it and you take something from it. So, um, dude, I think that's dope. Yeah. And that's a question we always ask. It's just good to ask. It puts people on the back foot and, to be honest, I think Raz Slaughter was the first, was someone who told us to use it. <laughs> like, yeah. so we, you know, we're learning from the leaders right now. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, there's, there's something that I want to ask before we do start going towards the wrapping up stage of this. And there's, um, unless there's another Mike out of New York that, that done this, it's got to be you. And I want to know a bit about the story is um, we saw that you dabbled a little bit in the MMA world. Is that right? Yes, sir. Oh, what is the story behind that? So There's amazing story there, dude. I can't wait for you to share it. And if this is the thing, we um we said this before on a podcast. We do research our guests, like we we take this seriously. You know, this isn't something that we just like thought we throw together. We take it seriously. We love our guests. We want to learn about them. We want to kind of dissect their story. And part of that is researching them. And when we came across uh, this MMA um stint of your career um i was like so excited to tell you and talk to you about it so i can't wait to fucking hear this man this is a good one so this is 
probably about three months before ending my six year long relationship. Uh, and I was act, it was almost like a, um, it was very reckless because um, it was almost like an act of rebellion. I felt trapped in my relationship and I felt trapped in my business. I wanted to do something very primal. And I was training out of Longo and Weidman's gym on Long Island. Chris Weidman, Ray Longo, his coach, um, Matt Sarah's out there as well. There's a huge MMA community on Long Island, but they had an they, we had they have a very proficient amateur MMA circuit there. And uh, on two weeks' notice, I decided to apply to be on this card, this amateur MMA card. And uh, because I had no MMA experience, I was O and O. Uh, I was supposed to fight another guy who was O and O or O and one or one and O. Yeah. And I was supposed to be the first fight of the night. And I was about to fight. And I was going to fight it like a 35 year old math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing crazy. Um, the only other, so I was about 200 pounds. The fight was at 185. Two weeks, I had to cut the weight prepped for the fight. Um, I had some Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu experience. So I wasn't like just some idiot off the street, but. Mm -hmm. How long had you um, been training prior to that? Jiu Jitsu about two years. Oh, uh, cool. Muay Thai so on and off for like six. Yeah, so you had. Yeah, so I had some experience, but um, you know, hitting pads <laughs> and rolling in a gi, right? <laughs> and uh, two days before the fight, uh, I'm, me and this amateur guy are the only 185 pounders on the card with the exception of the main event. The main event was a 185 pound amateur title fight. Both guys were like six and zero, oh, seven and one in amateur records. Two days before the card, one of the guys of the main event has to pull out for staph infection on his face. And they were gonna cancel the card because the guy who, who he was gonna fight, half the tickets were sold just to watch this guy fight. Wow. Because it was the anniversary of his parents' death. Mm, I can so already on two days notice, I said, fuck it, I'll fight him. <laughs> oh, you're a bad man. Uh, yeah, I thought so. I thought this would be like the Rocky movie. Like, oh, Rocky Yeah. So I'm like, sure, I'll fight him. This guy cut down from like 230 pounds, gaunt, had big bone structure yeah. to fight 185. That's what they do though, so that you're stronger when you rehydrate. Yeah. You're, you're exactly. bigger, you're just a machine, you know? And uh, it was for like their amateur title. This guy was 6-0. and oh. I hadn't fought yet. And the fight ended in about 101 minute and 27 seconds of the first round. <laughs> knocked out. I didn't get knocked out. Um, I got rear naked choked. Uh, the biggest reason why I couldn't escape the rear naked choke, even though he didn't have both of his hooks in, was because we were smushed against the cage. Um, and he only had the outside leg in. But uh, it was interesting because right from the outset, you know, I go to touch gloves and he just punched me right in the face right away. <laughs> yeah, right from the outset. From yeah. then on, I was basically just dazed and he, he being was ragdolled. He was ready for a fight, like, and that's uh, that's that's one of those things. I've been in a cage, I've yeah. I've, I've had a I've I've had one uh, fight, and um, that was uh, an experience, man. I mean, I'm telling you, like, yeah. I've had fights before in the street, 
And, you know, I used to regard myself as being a little, little bit of a, a tough guy or whatever on the street when I was younger, but it's different in there. It's different in there. When you're in a cage and it's like in a professional setting and there are certain rules and, and you're moving around with someone who wants to actually hurt you in that cage, you have to show up differently. You can't, like, uh, it, you can't show up like you're ready to spar. You know, you have to have that urge to want to hurt someone. And I think that some people inherently have that, whereas others don't inherently have that. So people like me, I'm not like a fighter, right? I, I am so chilled out. I'm really not a fighter. I will do anything in any scenario to avoid a fight. Not that I can't fight because I can, but I'll avoid it because I'm just not like that, driven by that. My brother one of them 100% is violent just in the core he just likes to fight he just likes to be rough manhandle things and be an alpha the other one well we know where that went so <laughs> i think that i don't know i'm just different but when you're in a cage with someone it is literally like this motherfucker is going to like they want to hurt me and i think whoever has the most amount of that want to hurt someone is normally the person who ends up um victorious in those scenarios would you agree i showed up for a martial arts bout he showed up for a fight 100%. that's basically what yeah yeah well at least you didn't get knocked out there was other ways it could have gone did you tap or did you go sleep i tapped uh, <laughs> he's keeping his pride <laughs> oh dude this has been awesome man i think yeah. just before we wrap up i want to know a little bit about where you're going next like what is the and obviously as an entrepreneur it's a tough question to answer because where we are today we could be in an infinitely different space in six weeks right or six months or whatever so but where do you kind of see um the the the, the next phase of your life and career and business and health relationships going what does that look like if you had to paint a, a picture for us yeah, for me right now, you, you and you know this, we're both in uh, sub niches of a very competitive niche mm. where there's a different guru Facebook ad every day. Uh, and uh, in the, the gym niche, it's extremely competitive. In spite of that, um, I want to challenge myself to be a whale in my industry, obviously. And I know the only way I'll do that is by becoming the best and helping people the best. Mm. So honing, honing the skills. That's my biggest entrepreneurial goal right now is becoming and impacting in a, in a way that makes me one of the whales in my niche. Mm. Uh, personally and relationally, um, it's just a matter of um, maintaining and balancing those relationships. You know, I'm in a great romantic relationship now with somebody who uh, completes a lot of the shortcomings of past relationships, which was, is really great. And it's just me showing up to meet that person's needs equally. Um, and then maintaining, you know, great, uh, parental, um, quality time with my parents and my nieces and nephew and my sister and all that. So it's really just, you know, accomplishing what I need to accomplish without sacrificing those relationships that can go at any minute. You see with Kobe Bryant, it's like uh, yeah. how jarring that is. Yeah. I recorded a podcast episode 21. I will share that with you after this. It's nine minutes long about that. Um, but dude, I love how you wrap that up. Uh, essentially results are everything. And I, I think this is something that 
I can really truly get behind because I feel like once you, once you realize that your clients and the results they're getting is the one of the thick number one things that will make your business grow. Um, everything changes. And the reason I say that is like results are everything. Like if you, if it doesn't matter if you can talk all the shit you want, you can buy a ton of followers, you can do all those lame ass things. But if your results don't speak, no one's listening. And that's, that's it. Period. The second thing is, uh, so I love that that you brought that up. And the second thing is like pouring more in more into relationships and being able to kind of like really fulfill those, but not at the expense of, um, anything else. And I just feel like it's a beautiful way to summarize the podcast, dude. And, uh, gives me a clear picture of where you're going. And if dude, there's anything fit story can do to support in any way, shape or form, you know, we got your back, dude. Likewise. I appreciate the time guys. No problem. And, um, so I think that's it for the podcast. I think that's it guys. I think if we're, if we're done, we're done. Anyone want to say any wise words? Normally Perry's got some wise words. Some, sometimes he'll just share something like a quote. Right. <laughs> just a random quote at the end of the episode yeah. um i don't actually i i, I really nothing enjoyed today. this episode <laughs> nothing today no i'm drawing you a blank sacrifice for your dreams your dreams become the sacrifice you oh, could have, this is the thing i was expecting him no shit i was expecting him we just had a conversation about books right about all these beautiful books with all these beautiful quotes and i'm like he's got to have one up his sleeve somewhere nothing nothing <laughs> My Mike is quote, good absolutely. My all-time favorite quote is Max Holloway. It is what it is. It is what it is. There we go. Is. That's what I'll what say back is. to you, Matt. They always it is what it is. It is. <laughs> it, in most scenarios, it really is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to wrap up this show. I have been Matthew Burbridge, your host with my man Perry Power. Mike Salvietti, it was great to fucking meet you, dude. Like I said, Fit Story's got your back, bro. So let's hook up again. Peace. Bye. Bye.